Former U.S. Army paratrooper, historian, and conspiracy analyst, Tony Arterburn, joined by top researchers and guests, exploring the depths of our hidden history. Expose the crimes and cover-ups that plague our civilization and planet and patrol the borders of our reality. 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 From the parapolitical to the paranormal in the psychological war for your body, soul, and mind. Be a paratruther. I'm your host, Tony Arterburn. I'm joined by top researcher, top broadcaster, podcaster, thinker, extraordinaire, gentleman, scholar. Chris Graves is with me for this episode. And we've built up a lot of hype because I've told people on several different podcast radio shows that Chris and I were going to start doing this concept show of taking a year in history and going through the conspiracy, the the weird events, the strangeness, the um, well, the significant. And I got this idea, ladies and gentlemen, by talking to the great James Perloff, author of Truth is a Lonely Warrior and the Shadows of Power. I mean, this is the original OG, you know, going back to the 1980s, talking about the Council on Foreign Relations, James Perloff. And uh, he and I were having a conversation and. I think it was about 9-11 this past year. And I just mentioned, I said, that was a very significant year, 1979. He says, absolutely. He was, and, and I had been thinking about this for a while because it's the year I was born. Uh, I was born the day the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. And I've often thought about that time frame. And, uh, you know, just you obviously think about that as, a, as you get older, you know, like, you know, what, what was it like when I was uh just born or what was it like? And, you know, what, what has history in my lifetime, what have the events led to? And uh, so this is a concept show and this is going to be about 1979. We've got other years to do, but uh, we'll see how this one goes first. And, you know, uh, the reason people don't like history, the reason that kids tune out, in my opinion, is because we make it about memorization and chronology and just remembering what was it the i think it was uh will durant he talked about how just the the, the mistakes the follies of mankind and and the chronology of that and the sad tales of kings and that's what people are are taught to to think of history but history is much more than that history is a story 
It's complex. It has life. Like when I'm looking at history, I think it's alive. Um, and that's one of the reasons I've been fortunate enough to remember so much of the history that I've read, Chris. And that is because um, at a real pivotal point in my life, when I went to combat, uh, you get cut off from the world. So you're not able to watch TV. You're not able to, you know, really even turn on the radio a lot of times unless you have shortwave. And I happened to come up during this time, you know, post 9-11. I went in the Army in 99 and uh, got the first, you know, we Mr. Clinton's war. We bombed Serbia for 78 days and then wrested Kosovo away from them. I was part of that in second rotation. Then 9-11 happened. And then, you know, we were in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I read something like 200 books when I was in uh, Iraq and in northern Mesopotamia, uh, there on the Tigris River, the ancient city of Nineveh, um, where uh, it's funny, as I told my grandma, I said, uh, I, I know now why Jonah didn't want to come here to preach. You know, that's, that was the whole thing, why Jonah got swallowed up in the <laughs> the belly of the whale, right? Uh, so uh, anyway, this this is a long time coming where I kind of just revisit uh, some his, some history knowledge, but we focus on the year. So I, I just wanted to kind of give a brief overview. I know you've picked out some great stories, but um, I'll, I'll just throw it to you. I mean, I, I've got a list of significant things that in 79. Uh, I think the audience will be a little bit surprised, actually, if you stick around. It's not just a litany of this is what happened. Uh, Chris right. and I have some some perspective to throw your way. So I'll throw it to you, Chris. And by the way, uh, thanks for doing this show with me and, and having this in-depth uh, conversation. Hey, it's an honor, Tony. It, it always is. Well, I'll, I'll say right off the bat that 1979 plays a, a crucial role in, you know, everyone's lives, obviously, but in my life as a researcher, because the road to 9-11, for the most part, kind of starts in 1979. Right. And everything that followed, like the war on terror, the uh, invasion of Iraq, you know, a lot of different things stem from that year. Um, yeah, it's like a catalyst. I mean, I was looking at, so November 4th of 79, that's what kicked off the Iran hostage crisis. And a lot of people, um, you look back, that's 444 days is how long that lasted. And it costs, it was one of the main reasons Jimmy Carter lost his presidency in 1980 to Ronald Reagan. And, uh, I think, uh, we've talked off air before about the October surprise and John Lear supposedly was the one that flew uh, towards Herbert Walker Bush to, uh, to negotiate with the Iranians so they would keep the hostages longer. I mean, this is what, this is conspiracy talk. This is theoretical, but I think there's ample evidence to show there was some sort of communique between. Uh, I've George read uh, many, yeah, in many different books over the years, the October surprise has a lot of evidence and uh, not surprising. Poppy Bush, <laughs> it's all over it. You know, he, right. he's the connecting uh, figure. You're kidding. <laughs> Poppy Bush is involved in something nefarious. I, I can't believe it. Uh, he doesn't know where he was on November 22nd, 1963, Chris. I mean, that's right. Forget I don't think he knows where he was on September 11th either. I know where no he way. was. He was having breakfast with one of the bin Laden brothers. That's right. And part, I think part of the, uh, one of the factions of the Taliban, if I don't, 
if I remember correctly, somebody it was yeah, in the rip because he had a company. Morning. Yeah, he had a company yeah. with these uh, gentlemen. <laughs> wasn't it like the what corporation was that? Uh, the Carlisle it? Group. The Carlisle, yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, always, always showing up. But yeah, so you just look at the Iran hostage crisis alone, but. What follows the Iran hostage crisis is the invasion, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. And you couple that 79 also has. And by the way, at the very end of the show, folks, I'm going to read an excerpt from David Icke's book, The Trigger, about 9-11. It's a giant book. And I picked out there's this one deal that I've had highlighted a long time. And it, it was one of the reasons that we're doing the show. I'll read it at the very end. But what Chris was saying is that Al Qaeda. You know, and I want to say, wasn't it, wasn't it Robin, wasn't the guy's name Robin Cook? Was it the the former, he was part of the British Intelligence Network and um, he's the it one that said. Familiar. Yeah, what you're saying sounds familiar. I, I, I don't want to commit to. A, I don't want to either, but I'll look it yeah. up when, you know, when we get a little bit of break in the action and see if I'm right. Yeah. Um, but he was the one that said that Al Qaeda, anybody in the know realizes that al-qaeda doesn't mean the base like we've heard you know the newscast you know we just that phrase came up in the late 90s and then of course after 9-11 people almost everybody knew what it meant supposedly but it actually doesn't mean the base it means the database which comes right. from the database of, of holy warriors the mushahideen uh in the muslim brotherhood and a lot of the database was inherited by the british a- after the the Third Reich dropped it in um, post-World War II, and they'd had this database. So this database, right, gets picked up by the Central Intelligence Agency, and that's where you get uh, code name Tim Osman. And Tim Osman, of course, is Osama bin Laden. That all comes out of this year, this pivotal year, 1979. And there's another thing that's coming up, too. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more on the war on terror, I guess, uh, and kind of the leading up to that. But January 1st, 79, this is something happening in the news right now. Um, there was two key parts uh, to the Taiwan issue uh, in the 70s. One was Nixon and Kissinger going to uh, China in 1972 and opening up relations, which we we had no diplomatic relations at all. As a matter of fact, we only talked to uh, Formosa or Taiwan because Chiang Kai-shek, the former nationalist leader of China, had been kicked out by the communists. And, of course, the communists like Mao Zedong were funded by the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and the big banks, as they always are. And shocking. Uh, very shocking. I'm, very shocking. I'm, I'm sitting here like I'm sitting here not knowing what what to do with this information. <laughs> Mind blown. I yeah. can't believe that, that rich people fund communism. Yeah. yeah so so that this is the setup. You know, you get the communist Chinese. We don't have relations until 72. Nixon opens it up and there's a verbal. Kind of a verbal uh, agreement or at least understanding that Taiwan is China's there's not a, there's not two separate things. It's a, they call it the one China policy, I believe. Well, 79 was big because we literally stopped diplomatic relations, but that's why, you know, when, when Trump picked up the phone call from the Taiwanese president, I think right after his election, it was this big thing. Like you can't talk to Taiwan, yeah, which is really weird, right? Because, 
we're supposed to be mortal enemies with communists. And then there's this, you know, freedom, small country. Do you think that would be us, you know, like defending? But no, we've long ago ceded Taiwan to uh, to the Chinese. And it's really strange because you go back to the Cold War and that was like the threat of MacArthur. He was going to unleash Chang, going to get Shanghai Shek and all his troops yeah. to come into the Korean conflict. But you fast forward to 1979 and we gave this, gave it away. And you had Zygmunt Brzezinski, you know, as Jimmy Carter's national security advisor, the main trilateralist. Uh, they were setting up this new, you know, this new century um, with China at the helm, which we're seeing play out now. You know, we've given away all of our manufacturing. We devalued our currency, just a bunch of communist stuff that we did over the past uh well since i was 42 years right uh yeah. at least we've been working on it so um just big developments there and it's like you said it's it has major impact on what's being talked about and what's going on today unfortunately a lot of that stuff is just in game like this is like game set match in a lot of ways um but i think it's important to unpack and reverse engineer so we can understand what happened to us so it doesn't happen again Right. Well, we're archiving this for future generations. Like this is how this is how you lose a country. This is how you lose freedom. You know, yeah. it looks benign on the on the surface, and there was a lot of people fighting against it, but it just wasn't enough, right? We just kind of continued under the same delusions that oh, well, <laughs> we didn't have the tool known as the internet, or at least the public didn't. I know DARPA and the military did, but John Q. Public didn't, and I think that would have made all the difference back then or perhaps maybe not i don't know these people are pretty uh powerful well they are powerful but they're not god almighty and uh you know right. even you know what was it cal coolidge said that nothing un-american can survive in the sunlight so we just we just put a little sunshine on them uh, chris with these, with these podcasts this is for the archive well, we tried the- we tried to do that with the virus though you're supposed to kill the virus with the, the sunshine thing you know <laughs> well you would think it would kill politicians but uh they don't yeah. get enough i don't know um, vampires yeah <laughs> you never see, you never see him in the sunlight yeah um here's another thing that was significant about 79 and that was the georgia guidestones you and i did a whole episode with mr anderson on that and uh that That's was right. the the genesis of that was also 1979 which is you know the uh, keep population in perpetual balance with nature don't be a cancer on the earth it has to be under 500 million you know forever um you know, that whole weird commandment. That's why a lot of people aren't sad that it's gone because of the type of things that you're talking about right now that was written on it, you know? Yeah. And I think, well, the, the deal is I, I, I liked that it was there to show that what we're talking about, right. You can go look at it. They put it in writing, you know, and then yeah. they, well, that's how much the, they needed to, you know, to depopulate by 95%. And it was always hiding in plain sight, too, because most people I would talk to didn't even know what they were. I thought it was common knowledge, but silly me. I mean, yeah, I would know. But and you like a little mystery. I mean, I like the fact that so somebody goes and blows it up or at least detonates a explosive device enough to where they have to. I mean, they did it in a day They did bulldoze the whole thing. You know, they leveled it. And then there's that we talked about this on the podcast, but there's no. They said there was a time capsule and there's no, there's no time. That's yeah. weird. 
You know, like they, they made a they made a deal to, to, to you know to go and and put it on the monument that there'll be a revealing of the time capsule, and that's the, the date's even left blank, and then you you finally get to the end, and there is no time capsule. So, yeah, it seems like some disinfo was put out too, because we, uh, Mr. Anderson and myself, we were finding article after article that said that it was like it, the time capsule was added after it was already built. Like, how can you bury it underneath the thing after it's already built? You know I mean? Like, is, I mean, and I like a good mystery. I'm yeah. glad some things never get solved. You know, I mean, I'm, I say that, I mean, if it's a, if it's a crime or something, it needs to get solved, but I'm, I, I like a little mystery. I like to well, Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, sure. Yeah. You know, something that's like something that. that, yeah, someone died, but <clears throat> it's not like a nine 11 event where it's going to change the course of history for the worse. You know what I mean? Sure. And that probably makes me sound really callous by saying one man's life, but I mean, I, I know I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit, and I'll I'm going to go over some some of your notes, and then I brought up. Uh, I was going to talk about Phil Snyder. Uh, you know, this is another thing in conspiracy lore. Is we're kind of see see we're we're look what we're doing, folks. We went over some responsible history. Here's some stuff that really yeah. happened. And then we do some questionable because we don't know for sure. And in the realm of conspiracy, the the Dolce base incident where you have this guy named Phil Snyder. And I'll, I mean, Chris knows more than me on this, but I've I've you know watched a couple of documentaries and, and looked at this stuff since. Oh, gosh, it's been years and years and years. You know, supposedly there's this um, uh, deep underground military bases. They're called dumbs. And. There was this guy, Phil Snyder, who came out. Was it the was it the mid to late eighties that he started speaking? Well, the one that I know about was nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Okay, so spoke, it was a while. He, he may have done that beforehand. Yeah. But he, but then he died that, in a very, very odd way, too. Yeah, well, I'll let you go into that. He um but he claims this this incident of this the alien little battle that went on that he was a part of in one of these deep underground military bases was from this year. This is the links you sent me. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, he was working as an explosives expert and he was helping to build secret underground bases for the U S government in Dolce, New Mexico in, uh, yeah, in 1979, in 1995, he told the story of his encounter with alien beings living underground in the base. Um, he said that he was one of three survivors in a battle with aliens in August of 1979, and that he was the only person with a high level security clearance speaking out in such detail about the government's uh, knowledge of alien beings. He was very critical of the government for keeping citizens in the dark and gave many talks on his experiences in the two years preceding his death in 1997. Interesting. And then talk, I know, you know, a little bit about his, he died in a weird way. Like it, did they rule it a suicide? Yeah. Yeah. It was ruled a suicide. What? (laughs) Well, a little bit more with his story. Snyder claimed, or Schneider claimed, uh, multiple attempts were made on his life after he began revealing what he knew. His death by suicide 
has shades of Terrence Eke of Oklahoma City fame or information, not fame. Has <laughs> yes. um, been viewed with suspicion by his supporters. There are few people from the military who have talked about aliens as explicitly as Schneider. All have been met with ridicule, but there are also many who believe Schneider after watching his videos, such as Veterans Today, that website, the senior editor, Gordon Duff, who calls him a UFO whistleblower. Hmm. Now, the part about I want to get it exactly right. So I have an article here. Um, it says Schneider was suspicious about the underground base. He was helping to build when he saw so many special forces, green berets around camp. The work team drilled four large holes, the standard way to start construction. But what emerged from the holes was not at all part of standard procedure. All the black, sooty air came up when he when we drilled holes there schneider said in a lecture at the 1995 preparedness expo he had gone underground to make an assessment when he found himself just feet away from a big gray a seven foot tall alien the stench was worse than the worst garbage can the entity was absolutely horrible and he fumbled for his pistol that he was carrying, and he killed two of the beings, but not before one of them could emit a strange and harmful energy. Now, we have no way of knowing if, you know, this is real or not. Um, but he did, he did die of a, a weird, in a weird way. They did rule with a suicide, and it was a strangulation with piano wire. Because that's how most suicides would go, you know. You would uh, strangle <laughs> yourself with no piano wire, you know. Well, it sounds like. I, don't he, know. I mean, it sounds like a a typical day going into the U.S. Senate. Uh, what he was experiencing, but <laughs> something was afoot there. Uh, yeah, I, I've listened to the story many times. I mean, if people want to know what I think, and I, I'm uh, I'm agnostic. Let's put it that way. I, I've seen his talk. I. I do believe it, and I do think that there's massive evidence of deep underground military bases, and I think yes. there's massive evidence for UFOs and other things. I don't know about this particular incident, but it comes out of conspiracy lore. And, you know, it's funny, too. We did the show Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. That document that was found in an IBM copier in 1986, that copier um, or the document in the copier was dated May 1st, 1979, which, you know, that was the, the technical right. manual silent weapons for quiet wars supposedly come out of the Bilderberg group, yeah. which is like a, a blueprint for, for genocide, you know, for taking over, you know, the humanity with mind control and slaving them. Yeah. And in toxins. every way possible. Yeah. I highly recommend you guys check out our, our show on um, silent weapons for quiet wars. It's the beginning chapter uh, in Bill Cooper's behold a pale horse. It's a weird story in and of itself. Like even if it's not an authentic document, it's still weird. That's kind of how I think about this Dolce thing. Yeah. Is that there's probably something to it somewhere, you know, uh, whether or not this Phil Schneider character was telling the truth, but it always does lend credence when, you know, they you die get in a weird way. Yeah. Because that's, it tends to happen, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, all the time. To the authentic. Especially yeah, so. in this, this, uh, this world, you know. It sure yeah. does. Well, I, yeah, that's an interesting little tidbit. Uh, we'll go and we'll cover. I had some, I looked up too. It's so weird, Chris. You had a fascinating take with the Twin Towers too. You told me off air before. Yes. Um, we can, we can cover that. Let's talk before we do that. Remind me, cause I want to, I want to kind of bring that into the last little bit about David Icke too. Um, and that, yeah, that kind of flowed when we were talked off air. <laughs> it's kind of how, how, how my mind works, but uh, I'm going over some of the links, but you know, do you, um, do you recall like pop culture? Wasn't, um, close encounters of the third kind. Wasn't it 79? It was 1977. Was Pretty it? close. Yeah. Pretty close. Okay. Cause I know apocalypse now came out yeah. then, which is like, if you, That's that, right. that movie, I mean, with like Colonel Kurtz at the, I could suppose based on the heart of darkness, you know, that novel from, yeah. uh, the, the earliest 20th century about Africa and, uh, just him that that was so such a strange film and supposedly that's what uh bill cooper that's a movie he watched that kind of got him into um thinking about his past and then doing more in the realm of of writing and and uh commentary and stuff that he eventually got into in the 80s but you know that was what bill cooper was a riverboat captain and it's very much the same you know, scenario is, is the characters in, in uh, apocalypse now. And, that, and it's kind of funny because we are in apocalypse now, right? <laughs> Except it was yep. not, it, it's <laughs> just a 42 years delayed. Um, but this is an article that, that Chris sent me in 1979. He says for, for newly minted parents, the most popular names were Michael and Jennifer included amongst the sea of Mike's and Jen's were notable figures. Jennifer love you. This, this is when she was born. Heath Ledger, Kate Hudson, Kevin Hark, and Pink. Uh, while we gained those vocalists and thespians, 1979 also wit- witnessed the curtains closing on the founder of Hilton Hotels, Conrad Hilton, the Canadian-American steel magnate Cyrus Eaton, the the American John Wayne was also lost, and the president of Afghanistan, Nur Muhammad Tariki. Uh, Douglas, Douglas Adams surged to the top of the library ordering list uh, for the first printing of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The movies were awash with popular and classic titles like Alien, The Warriors, The Amityville Horror. Uh, read on to discover how 1979 changed the world. And let's not forget Weird Al Yankovic's My Baloney or My Bologna. Is that, was that his first parody song? <laughs> I think it was released in 1979. It was on one of those lists. Yeah. I liked when he did eat it. Yeah. When he's like the, with the overweight guy was just kept eating everything. When I was a kid, I didn't really understand the parody part. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, why is he doing that song? That sound. Uh, yeah. The 79 saw the most notable, notable first, the first person killed by a robot was in 1979. It's when Skynet uh, went online, right? <laughs> uh, the first gay and lesbian civil rights march on Washington. The first female prime minister of the UK. That must have been Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Uh, inventions were the rollerblades, the Walkman. And, of course, in this article, and we've already touched on this, too, the U.S. and China began diplomatic relations. Well, that's not really true. Right. Um, and, of course, the People's Republic of Vietnam, uh, they went to war with China. 
Meanwhile, the U.S. government approved the development of the Department of Education, a wonderful addition. It's made so much different. We're so better off. Yeah. Uh, Reagan ran to end that. I was going to say, he didn't Reagan, like, yeah, but one, uh, someone took a shot at him. You still could. That was, see, when you can get rid of a deal when it's only like a year old and they didn't do it. Well, I think he abruptly changed his mind when uh, someone uh, tried to take a shot at him. So. Oh, you mean people. you mean Hink the Hinkley the the George, the the Bush's uh, lunch date for the next day? That's correct. Yeah, you, you know your stuff. That's right. <laughs> Those uh, Bushes they they know a lot of people. Yeah, the Bushes and the Hinkleys they were, and I think it was was it Marvin Bush that was supposed to meet with. Uh, I believe that? was it Marvin or uh, I believe I mean, it was. It was the younger brother. It was probably it wasn't the same guy that had like the security contract for the World for Trade World Center. World Trade Center. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. And Scott <laughs> Hinckley, his brother. Yeah, Can you imagine just thing. being a normal journalist where you don't have to remember anything but what the CIA sends you? That's right. And that'd just be easy. Like you don't even have to think. You just read the talking points. Like what'd you get in the, your Mockingbird? packet today well i was told that and there's a pp tape and russia russia put mind control on americans okay we'll run that anderson, we should ask anderson cooper that one day oh mr vanderbilt yeah right. we'll, have to, we'll have to ask him uh and of course we got the u.s china relations we went over that um this year also marked the 100th million guests to the happiest place on earth walt disney world well is it, is it happy anymore not so much no i don't no. think so it's very it's a it's a very expensive place yes right well that's We've just come pretty far open. tony since 1979 and when i say that i say that totally in jest <laughs> like it's like like if you were descending down into dante's inferno like it's we're we're going we've gone pretty far <laughs> we've gone far <laughs> we're, getting, we're reaching, we're reaching new levels thing. yeah, we, yeah. All, we, we leveled down tony we did a good job which kind of find a warp zone fast and get out of there but i don't see it happening that's another thing too is like people it's funny american history uh, gore vidal called this the united states of amnesia because no one remembers anything you know, like you just kind of go on like, oh, I guess that's normal. But our current when reality. When do you think he said that, by the way? United like States what, of Amnesia? Around what year? Because if it was a long time ago, imagine what he would think now. I I can't imagine what he would think. Now. <laughs> yeah. and you kind of almost are glad that a lot of these people that you admire didn't make it to this level because. It would have been heartbroken. How, how, well, no, not necessarily. I've been so disappointed in people, oh, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, like you just think, oh, this person's got our back. This is somebody that's intellectually strong. This is a rebel. And they're like, stay home, stay safe, wear your mask, get your experimental genetic code injection. Well, Walter what? Cronkite would have been all over that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Walter Cronkite <laughs> said he was proud to sit at the right hand of Satan for the new world order. And that's yeah, he was the voice of Moloch, the owl. The owl. Is, yeah, Grove. Mean, that's right. He did a good job too. They did a lot yeah, of great, he, great things. Out of <laughs> they got it. Done. Ask for a better guy. <laughs> well, this is what, you know, kind of alluding to that is things are different, right? You, the, the tail end of the seventies and I'm looking at a chart right now. I'll put this up on the screen. This is something kind of in my wheelhouse too, because I'm in the gold and silver business, precious metals and cryptocurrency stuff. But man, 
this chart, look at this, Chris. This is the beginning of 79. This is the price of gold. Wow. And watch it. Look at it up and to the right. Boom. All the way. So what had happened, you know, Nixon closed the gold window, officially took us off the gold standard in 1971. Gold was pegged at $35 an ounce. And we didn't have the gold to pay these countries that the the U.S. had started taking the silver out of its coinage. We started debasing our currency ourselves to pay for the guns and butter. You know, the we did the LBJ Great Society. We did the war on Vietnam. You know, he called it a what it is the Great Society on the Mekong. You know, he's just gonna they're gonna liberate man. It sounded a lot like George W. Bush. (laughs) Yeah, and I look at this chart, and people don't realize is that. Gold didn't go up in value. It's the dollar losing purchasing power. Gold pretty much stays steady as in the modern era as a value source. And that's confusing to people because, you know, in our parent, our grandparents weren't so concerned with investments because that was never, it was like in the American dream, you go get a house, you have a job, you put a little away for savings, right? You have a savings account yeah. and then you retire or whatever, you know, um, but that you can't do that anymore nope. because your, your currency's always losing value. So you have to go. And that's why you have all these products like that. Why there's IRAs and 401ks and every other commercials, how to invest because you cannot save anymore. And even your house, like, you know, there's inflation, you know, you're, you're buying a house or if you're buying it at the wrong part of the market. I mean, it's, it's, it's not what it used to be when you had sound money. You can't do CDs anymore either, right? No, I mean, you can. No, but they're like garbage now, right? Yeah, it's uh, just, it's not, when you have a, you know, a a devaluing currency, you know, if it's devaluing 20%, but you got a 1% return, (laughs) it doesn't, didn't help. It's not, it's not a parachute. So I'm looking at this chart. This is on SD Bullion. I just typed in 1979 gold price data. And, uh, so it starts out at the beginning of the year and it's like $225 an ounce. And that's from $35 an ounce in 71. So think of that meteoric rise. And this thing is, you got to, it's counterintuitive. It didn't really go up. It's just that the dollar is losing value. So 79 sees gold in this massive race to its all-time, at that time, all-time high, going into where it just breaks $800, I believe, in 1980, like January of 80. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because at the same time, I mean, they had the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates to the teens with under Paul Volcker. And I mean, Chris, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, my dad was paying, uh, you know, 13, 14 percent on a mortgage. Yeah. And the reason they did that, it was because inflation was I mean, it was almost like it was ruining everything, obviously. And that's what happens when you debase a currency and you remove it from an asset like gold. So we see gold is a ma- has a major um, pl- part in 79. And here's the cool thing about that. It's something I notice. 79 is the, uh, on the periodic table, is the is the atomic number for gold. That's right. Yeah. right? And you see this massive shift. So again, this another, I, I look now at for his the layman. W- for the layman, what exactly does that mean? On the periodic table? No, like the um, the atomic. I wouldn't be able to answer that, right? No, no, I know. <laughs> I just mean, I mean, uh, 
I'll be honest. I don't. I get confused with a lot of uh, the currency and everything. I'm I'm trying to acclimate myself to a lot of this. You know, sure. I kind of Johnny come lately when it comes to you know the gold and silver, but I'm fascinated by it. Now, when you say the atomic, uh, what was the phrase you used again? I don't mean to to uh, break your your thought. Wasn't it, it you call it the atomic and that's there it's identifier right on the periodic table it's it's number okay. is 79 yeah. right I, I watched just, way too much saved by the bell as a child I think that was by design <laughs> so I just answered my own question okay <laughs> as you were sorry that's <laughs> no, okay that's a good question but I, the reason I bring it up is because again it's one of those watershed moments we have all this stuff culminating that's why we chose this year you know it's like the the origin story of the modern war on terror, both with Iran, and I'm going to read you something here at the end too, with 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 uh, some of the other factions like Benjamin Netanyahu, and yeah. you know how that turned out. Saddam, you got Iran, you got a, a, you're right. That's right. That's the, bring that up, Chris. You had Saddam, the head of the Baathist Party, coming to power in Iraq. Seventy nine. It's kind of a conspiracy theory, but a lot of conspiracy theorists think that the U.S. government put Saddam into power, but you're kidding. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like a lot of our, uh, you know, enemies throughout history. Um, Did you ever yeah, see that X files with, uh, you know, it has the cigarette smoking man and these, it's like Christmas of 1991 yeah. and, uh, they're sitting in that boardroom and they get a call and he gets a call. It says on the screen, it says Saddam Hussein on line one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's says, right. He says, call back. Right after he decides that Buffalo will never win a Super Bowl as long as right. he wants. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love how and he shot KFK. Yeah, and that's right. yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so yeah, and then you know that was such a uh, you know Saddam being put into power, and then gosh, you know we made two boogeymen of the modern era. Like, and I say that modern era or error. Uh, it could be the both, you know, <laughs> yeah, we I made, go with that, the second one there. <laughs> it was just, I mean, you think about, see, I'm a big believer that I'm not a coincidence theorist. I'm a believer that things are planned. Yep. Um, I do believe that history does happen. And I do believe that, that it can get out of their control. The planners do happen, but for the most part, mistakes and then historical forces sometimes are out of the control of people. I, I do believe that. Um, but what sometimes dark forces are fighting with each other too. And they screw up the plans sometimes. Yeah, God willing. It's like when the Nazis fight the Soviets and yeah. you want both sides to lose, you know, like you just, you know, I'm a, talking more like, uh, the Illuminati, different factions, you know, that goes way, you know, Bill Cooper used to talk about that sometimes sure. different powerful forces will have separate agendas. You know, they might have an overall arcing agenda that is the same like Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> right, right. I feel like that's more of a divide and conquer for uh, us sheeple out there, you know. I, yeah, basically. I know, brother. But yeah, that's think about the two boogeymen that come out of '79 that were literally manufactured, and then you have that. I mean, how many of our leaders met with both of them? Like, uh, you know, obviously in the diplomatic sense, you have that picture of Donald Rumsfeld going to meet with Saddam Hussein. Did you ever see the clip? I wish I had. Yeah. I'd play it the clip where he was confronted with that before uh, the invasion of Iraq. I think I do. Yeah, vaguely, he goes, yeah. Where did you get that? 
I mean, he, that's the first <laughs> yeah. thing he said was, where did you get that? Yeah. And he goes, isn't that interesting? Sir? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he where says, isn't that, that interesting? This is the guy that wanted to have a, an official propaganda department uh, in 2001. <laughs> I found that clip. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, pull this one up. This was on CNN. This is from September 12, 2002. You got to remember your timeline. This is leading up to the invasion of Iraq. Here's Secretary, then Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld on CNN being confronted. They bring up the clip of him going and shaking hands with Saddam Hussein. I'm going to play the clip. This is priceless. I remember it. Well, let me take you back uh, about 20 years uh, ago. Uh, the date, I believe, was uh, in De- December 20th, 1983. Uh, you were meeting with uh, Saddam Hussein. I think we have some video of that um, of, of that meeting. Tell me what was Showing going the on video. during this, uh, this Where meeting. Where did you get this video? From the Iraqi <laughs> This is from Iraqi television. When did they give it to you? Recently well, yeah, or back had, then? We've dug this out of the CNN library. I see. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> there I am. There I am. So what were you, what was going on here? What were you thinking at the time? Well, uh, about the uh, Canary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the United States. What were you thinking? 241 Marines killed. And President Reagan. Oh, he's spinning it with Lebanon. Up. Okay. Well, well, this I just like the look on his face, folks. And I know this is the point of paratruther. And it most likely always will be that we'll just be an audio only <laughs> podcast yeah. for the for the effect of that. And, uh, but man, that's priceless. I need to put that on a t-shirt. Like just have that look, <laughs> that look on his face. Oh, well, uh, I'm glad we Meister. <laughs> Where did you so get that? Some, <laughs> uh, our archive, sir. <laughs> our archive. Yeah. That's just the, the, he was like, did they send that to you? No, we just went back in the, uh, the back room there. <laughs> it's labeled. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like Rumsfeld, more than once said the missile that hit the Pentagon. Yes, I was going to bring it up. Yeah, Tony. And you he know, said remember plastic knives. Remember plastic yes, knives? But, you know, the, the weirdest thing about him and people. Are he also said him. that the uh, plane shot down in Pennsylvania, too. He let that slip. He, well, it's because he he was high on his own supply. You know that that uh, Rumsfeld uh, got aspartame. Yeah. Uh, approved that was one of his gifts to the american people was the uh artificial sweetener that gives cancer to uh lab rats had a friend once he's a great yeah he was reading the back of a artificial sweetener packet and it's like uh has been found to give cancerous tumors in lab rats or something like that and and, uh, he said well thank god we're not lab rats it was a joke (laughs) um yeah he was the gift that kept on giving wasn't he (laughs) Really was, yeah. Well, we've we've uh, we've gone over the the rise of gold. We've gone over the Soviets. We've gone over uh, Ron hostage crisis, Taiwan, Tim Osman. It's a bunch. Uh, it's kind of fun, funny. You know, I was going to say Three Mile Island, but before you get to that, something that I noticed. You remember the Captain America movies? Yes. Yeah. Well, they have a spinoff show on Disney Plus. And it's like Cap's uh, sidekicks, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Well, I was watching that first season in the Winter Soldier's uh, kill book or whatever you want to call it, his black book of uh, targets. I almost, 
I, my mind was blown when I saw this. One of his targets was Tim Osman. In oh, the wow. next Captain America movie, the subtitle is New World Order. <laughs> exactly. That's they, Disney, folks. <laughs> so we, we got Tim Osman twice, I think. <laughs> got, right. got Osama bin Laden twice. And, you know. Three times, actually. You, you get older have, and you realize this stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> three times. <laughs> yeah, no, I had the documents for that. And, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, he's 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 up there with uh, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger for uh, how many times he was killed, you know, he's getting Just there and the hand that reaches from the grave, you know, that's right. Yeah, uh, Michael Myers, <laughs> the, hit, the hidden hand from beyond the grave. Yeah, it, it's interesting history. Uh, the the boogeymen that have been created and you realize, too, like I, I was part of the the first army company to to get to Kandahar, Afghanistan after nine 11. I mean, this is real world stuff. And, um, like I, we were debriefed by general Mattis. Wow. Like that's who, that's who just like standing like, you know, six feet away. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that's, that was so surreal at the time. I didn't know who that was. It's just this right. Marine Corps generals telling us, you know, welcome. If they had the Marines there and then the army got there. And there was people on the ground, CIA, FBI, high-level people like military intelligence. And they were looking for Osama bin Laden because everybody that was captured was, you know, I'm, we're look, when's the last time you've seen Osama bin Laden? That was the first question asked. I was there. But then years later, I realized that so much of this stuff's compartmentalized Yep, because they knew where he was, not the people there I was working with. Right, right, right. So that that's why that's why when say people say, "Well, how many people would have to be in on a conspiracy?" Not many, right? People can just believe, right? They can just be part of something and believe they're doing the right thing. But their leaders, like we know for certain, like it's been documented that they were meeting with Osama bin Laden in Dubai in in July. Uh, July of 2001 and, and Rob Wapendi, Pakistan, they had intelligence that he was getting dialysis there. That was a week. That was a Tony. It's funny. You say the that there's a week after his interview that he did with a journalist that Bill Cooper talked all about and was really upset about that ended up getting kind of scrubbed from the internet. If you remember. Yes. And we, we've discussed that and we'll probably put, we might have to do 2001. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And speaking of which, so we're, I got a couple other things, uh, I want to talk to you about, but yeah, you mentioned three, three mile Island too. I'm well, you take that one. I mean, that was, that's where you get, you know, didn't they come out with that movie, the China syndrome because of yeah. it? And do, yeah, you know what that means, right? You know, the China syndrome that it's kind of a euphemism saying that if we had a meltdown, that it would burrow its way all the way through the core of the earth. Like when they say you're digging a hole to China. Right. When we were kids. Yeah. Right. That's what you that's know, Nancy about. Pelosi. Speaking of current events, Nancy Pelosi said that recently. <laughs> she said that if you, if you dig a hole, they always said that we would get to China. <laughs> and it did not go over well in the room. <laughs> from what I understand. He's on autopilot now, man. I mean, yeah. it's bad. It's bad. But that's, I don't know if. This is they like some sort of, 
right the yeah. crypt keepers are in charge it's that's just what i was saying yeah <laughs> they have uh yeah tales from the crypts and uh, the crypt keeper you know it's just absolutely bizarre but yeah uh, well i mean we so three mile island and even jimmy carter was present at the time and he went and visited it i'm more skeptical of of nuclear power being as dangerous as they say it is yeah because it makes sense to me that if you have this technology that is so renewable and again there's problems with the waste i'm not saying it's not you can look at what is it yucca mountain they have all this st- stuff that you you can't i mean it's radioactive right um but there's something that we we didn't it's like after we picked up nuclear technology it can be used for more things than bombs you know but somehow it i don't know it, the the economic powers that be didn't seem to want it to succeed a lot of propaganda around it well look at the uh the supposed uh water powered car and how fast they got rid of that and that inventor yeah <laughs> it's, it's not a tesla a, you know and yeah. and who took all of tesla's papers trump's guy uncle. by the last name of trump yeah it's trump's uncle john trump that's right yeah. his uncle yeah yep. and he's nothing to see here but, folks and nothing <laughs> See, well, that's where you got a lot of the QAnon people thought that Trump was a time traveler. Yeah, you're saying he wasn't. I, I'm just saying no. <laughs> He's the worst time traveler ever. John John F. Kennedy Jr. is not alive, Tony. No. Can you really say that with a straight face? That he's not alive? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I me too. Yeah, because I've actually talked to the guy, the last person to ever talk to John Jr. John's gone. Not that I've known him. I don't know why I'm calling him John, Mr. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, he's he's gone, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I do remember the time travel aspect. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, the, it's funny because like the one conspiracy I can't believe is that there's a white hats and that there's people working to like bring about like good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm to sorry. do good. I, yeah. I know that's the, the children. I, I do believe there's people working hard for a better world. They're just private citizens, but I don't believe people who control giant multinational corporations or have control of yeah. deep state organizations that I don't think they have my best interest or they're fighting for the common good because I don't know of any billionaire or any, I mean, even. Name name a, a extremely wealthy person who's fighting for free markets. You can't. You <laughs> want free markets. There is no. no there is no or fighting for human liberty. They'll fight for democracy, which is not the same thing. It's actually the opposite, right? Of human liberty, because the the mob is is demonic. I mean, that's uh, democracy does not mean freedom. It just means mob rule, and uh, yeah. So we we get stuck on that tangent. As a matter of fact. So, and, and I, you know, there's, as far as three mile Island, I think it's just a part of the, you know, the, the issue with our modern world is why we don't have infrastructure. We don't have these things right. and we don't have, we're not powered by like, we're, we look at our grid right now. Look at our highway system. Look at everything. Is, and people are like, well, we didn't have the money. Yes, you did. You, you created trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions yeah. of dollars out of thin air and devalued people's currency to, what build the build back better the, <laughs> the you know you could destroy the middle east so you could build it yeah. back worse um you know and that's what we were looking for 
you know, the terrorists are going to get us. They're either with us or you're with the terrorists. Hey, you know, the terrorists I'm, disappeared during COVID. You know that they were scared. They, they, they were hiding. I, that's, I try to tell people that all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe that, that we're still doing this. Like it literally yeah. went silent. The and shooters like, oh. too. The spree shooters, school shooters, spree shooters, they disappeared too. No one asked those questions. Like the serial killers of the 1970s and 80s, they disappeared and then they get replaced by the next fear, you know, fear inducing thing. Isn't that? I'm glad that you noticed that though. I did notice it. I I said it was a deafening silence. I also thought they'd bring it back, you know? Uh, (laughs) Like, well, now you have the insurrectionists. Like fashion. They're the domestic terrorists. See, we had to go back to McVeigh again. See that it's all circular, cyclical. Yeah. Somebody put on who was uh it's called Yal Qaeda instead of Al Qaeda. It's Yal Qaeda. Something like that. Al Qaeda. Uh, yeah. Al Qaeda. That's a good old Alex Jones throwback. Here's something else. And we haven't talked about this one before. This is cool. Uh I looked up a while ago the definition of parapolitics, because I always say, you know, I do parapolitics, precious metals on my show. And that's where I get, you take the term paratruther is, um, parapolitics, you know, the para and of course, truther. And you merge those. Cause I was a paratrooper in case anybody hadn't gotten that yet. But, <laughs> uh, this is from Wikipedia. Actually, you know, this is wiki yeah, wiki spooks. Wiki Spooks. Okay. Wow. Oh, okay. So I, I, I'm, it's one of your, your mind sees something and it's like, it reads it and then you look back. Oh no, I read it wrong. Parapolitics <laughs> is used to describe either covert political activity that is hidden from the public or complete de facto political system, typically compromising or comprising of elements of the military and intelligence apparatus hidden from the public, political actions of subterfuge, secrecy, and deceit. And is increasingly used in discussions on democracy to describe the behavior of the deep state, i.e. coalitions of institutions and corporations who operate above or outside the elected government. Here's the original usage, okay? The term parapolitics was first used by Professor Ragvigan Iyer of Oxford University in his 1979 work, Parapolitics Toward the City of Man. It proposes a more all-encompassing conception than that of the traditional politics of stability, power, and self-preservation. In Iyer's conception, parapolitics is best understood as the activity of continually rethinking the foundations as well as the frontiers of political principles, systems, and issues. In this sense, the parapolitical transcends conventional politics while still being reflected in it. His dialectic of parapolitical engagement calls for establishing critical distance and clear understanding of the potential cost of commitment, mainly in terms of establishment disapproval. So pretty cool. I always wonder why they had a lobster as the, uh, as like the icon behind that. Cause uh, over the years I've seen, I've come across that where it's like a lobster and it's like parapolitics. And that's weird, too, because that's the lobster is what uh, Jordan Peterson uses. Is like his, uh, the lobster is really, he uses that um, analogy of the of the male lobster and the mating practices. And that's how, you, you ever what, read the, 
was it 12 rules for life in uh, Jordan Peterson? I haven't read that, but I think uh, Joe Rogan had him on a couple times, right? Or something like that. Yeah, I believe so. But the lobster is really, but yeah, what Chris is talking about folks is like the cover. If you look in this, um, this link on wiki spooks, uh, about this 79 issue it's i got the it's got a lobster on it's what it's called lobster magazine lobster magazine 1979 interesting well that's just another thing about you know this reminds me of like the octopus thing too in conspiracy circles <laughs> yeah i need to do more to look into this but i always thought that was interesting like if you if you um just look up parapolitics yeah like five down is my column that i haven't written anything on yet i just bought <laughs> it. i just parked the uh the parapolitics and precious metals uh sub stack well, it's always good to plan ahead and uh make sure no one else just, i've got yeah. a bunch of stuff i'm working on so that's awesome well you can't look folks if those of you download the show and i appreciate each and every one of you if you've gotten this far you might have learned something you never know. Me and Chris, we, we, these are our conversation, our, our paratruther conversations. You might have learned something. <laughs> we're, we're we're painting a picture, and oh, we told we, you we weren't oh. going to do the chronological like day one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, they have a picture uh, in the website for those that are listening. They had a picture of JFK with the parapolitics thing. I'll tell you, there was two things that happened in 1979 that might not have a lot of significance but for jfk researchers it, it would that 1979 is when one of the lee harvey oswald so-called lookalikes one that actually worked with lee harvey oswald and got mistaken for lee harvey oswald quite a bit was uh billy lovelady which That's right we don't really know what really the cause of death was i i think uh his his wife didn't want to be bothered by anybody uh when questioned about it but i i believe i when i was reading the article i think it said he he died of being in seclusion or something <laughs> you know it was the cause of death being well, in, explain, uh, you know he was there pictured or supposedly in the doorway in the doorway right but a lot of people a lot of researchers some pretty credible ones and i think he, i don't want to say this for a fact but maybe jim mars even pointed this out too that it, i bill cooper definitely because I, I remember going to bill cooper's website the hour of the time.com back in the day and he actually uh i forget the analysis what he used but like measurements or something and he compared the different pictures and he he came to the conclusion that it was oswald in the doorway but billy lovelady always got used by the naysayers as saying no that was billy lovelady in the doorway so that that was always uh you know a bone of contention when it came to um jfk research but there was also another figure that a lot of researchers thought the so-called three tramps that were seen in dealey plaza after the assassination being led by a dallas police officer uncuffed and by the way, they all had nice shoes on, but they were dressed like hobos. But they, they forgot to put on the hobo shoes. They all had, like, dress shoes on. And one of the figures, some people, besides E. Howard Hunt gets named as one of them, but there's a, an even taller guy in the middle. And a lot of people think that that's Charles Harrelson, Woody Harrelson's father. And Woody Harrelson's father, Charles, 
was arrested for uh, being a hitman and either killing or trying to kill a a judge. And for the rest of his days uh, that he you know was alive, he 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 kind of would tell people that yeah, I was uh, I was the grassy knoll shooter, whether he was or not. That's a different story because we have like dozens of possible candidates for for that position. But yeah, 1979 is when Charles Harrelson um, was arrested and put in prison for life. And to the day he died, he claimed he was a gra- the grassy knoll shooter or one of them. So a little sidebar there. And also, there's a there's a character that uh, escaped from Nazi Germany. That ends up dying in 1979 too. That's right, the angel of death, the worst of the worst. Yeah, Joseph Mengler. He did, but he just died like peacefully, peacefully (laughs) on a beach. Yeah, yeah. They had that 70s movie, The Boys from Brazil. That's right. Right where they cloned Adolf Hitler. What did you brought up last time? Steve Gutenberg was in it. The guy from Police Academy and Short Circuit. He was the kid in The Boys from Brazil. It's a weird movie. Very weird. It's a weird movie. It's basically where they're cloning Mangalos, you know, finding ways to clone more Hitlers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we really need that, you know. We have Bin Laden and all the, and uh, Saddam, you know. We don't, oh, you need, don't need to clone anymore. anybody. You just, yeah. make, just create them. And that's what they yeah. did. That's right. <laughs> so um, I'll ask you if you have anything left, but I was just uh, running through my notes and just thinking. So I'll kind of end with some some metaphysical kind of out there stuff. And this is some like, UFO stuff. Well, we definitely can do that. Uh, I'll end whatever with, the ball is in your car. I, I will go wherever you uh, tell me to go, sir. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's just as much your episode as mine. You know? <laughs> so, um, I appreciate that. But I was thinking about kind of where my mind goes. I do a lot of conventional history, but I also think in terms of metaphysical, yeah. uh, spiritual, even sometimes, History to me is like a code, right? Because mm-hmm. there's there's hidden things, Easter eggs, whatever you want to call it. Like you can go back and see pattern recognition, like things that will lead to future events. And I don't even have a way to classify this or quantify it in any way. But I do believe that there's meaning in the past. So I'll, I'll go over a, a few key facts here as we're wrapping up the show. The World Trade Center, the construction began in, in 1968. Yeah. Okay. It took exactly 33 years for the events of 9-11 to take place, right? This cataclysmic event and, you know, what the uh, people a new, from... A new Pearl Harbor, if you will. Right. It was a, a catalyze, catalyzing and catastrophic event uh a new Pearl Harbor, you know, the, the project for a new American century would later call it. Yeah. Or, well, they called, they called it bef- a year before on September. <laughs> they, were, they were a little early before they named it, actually got the right, the real event. But and jo- was, yeah. And, and Poppy Bush too. Let's not forget him. Right. It was, so it's exactly 33 years. If you know anything about the occult, you know anything about secret societies, these are important numbers. Something happened in 1968. It was like, Uh, You have the release of Stanley Kubrick's 2001, A Space Odyssey, exactly 33 years out to that year, right? This service for 911 goes online. So people 
we're going to hit 911 in an emergency, in a panic, uh, with fear. Yeah. You can think of the energy, whatever you believe about spirituality. There's something when you type in numbers that are over and over and over again, signifying fear, signifying death, signifying emergency. So we're programming 911, 911 over and over again, years and years. Well, I also noticed there's patterns to the sequence and the number 11. So first of all, you have the buildings are an 11. You know, they called them the, the David and the Nelson after the Rockefeller brothers, right? And so the Twin Towers are an 11. Aleister Crowley, who the elites worship, you know, he's like his, his magic number was 11. Yeah, and flight 11 too. Correct. Right. You have, it's like the magic number, like the a powerful number in a cult is 11. It comes up over and that was Aleister Crowley. His number was 11. So 11 years out from 68 is 79. It's the first sequence of 11. And you get Osama bin Laden, the Iran hostage crisis, the Soviets invade Afghanistan. You get the birth of the Mushadeen, the birth of modern terrorism. Saddam. Saddam, right. You get all these. This is like just that one part. You know, you also get the Georgia Guidestones, things that we've covered in the episode. So you're getting it yeah. so far. It's weird, right? And they both got controlled demolition. Uh, they both were were just blown up and gone too. Yeah, and I'll I'll read something here in a second. We'll we'll kind of and it'll wrap this up. But I love this, Tony. This is great. You have me on the edge of my seat here, sir. <laughs> So this is why I do this show and why I do my shows. Cause I started looking into this stuff and I'm like, this is mathematically impossible. So fast forward another 11 years. Exactly. Right. Go to 11 years forward from 79, you get 1990. And on a Tuesday, September 11th, 1990, exactly 11 years before the events of September 11th, also a Tuesday, by the way, that's right. And I've asked certain other researchers, what is the significance of Tuesday? Two, right? The two. Columbine, Columbine was on a Tuesday. Well, uh, in Oklahoma City, I don't know for a fact. I think it was a Tuesday. We'll have to look in the Gore Vidal. There's a lot of them on a Tuesday. And I'll, and I'll tell the story. Gore Vidal wrote an article on 9-11, and he was like trying to find like the symbology for Islam. And you can't find it in 9-11. There is no, as far as I know, I've never seen it. Any because that because in Islam Tuesday is a day of darkness supposedly, yeah. So that would why would you sell it? That was supposed to be like a big victory day, right? Anyway, so we go back to 1990, exactly 11 years after 1979. George H. W. Bush, Poppy, goes before a joint session of Congress and calls for a new world order. Three times he invokes it. Three times called for it. It's a big idea. It's a new world order. Right. So you got to think about he's calling for a new world order to get over to the Middle East to fight Saddam Hussein, somebody we had direct contact with. We brought up, we had our intelligence community, the Baptist Party, all of that. So, where'd you get that tape? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You get that tape. Oh, that isn't that interesting. So, we had this contact. We were in the periphery of that. And then you fast forward exactly 11 years and we're going on the new world order, we're going on the crusade. What are the mathematical chances, Chris, that his son, also George Bush, 11 years to the day 
to the almost minute would be giving a similar speech in the Oval Office after cataclysmic terror. I'd say Related. probably probably two point three trillion to one. <laughs> two two point three trillion to one. <laughs> Those are the odds, That's Tony. Pretty funny. That's pretty good. The, we can't track it. We can't track the two point three. You see, you see where I'm getting with this, and so a lot of um, not everything in, in alternative media is good research. Some of it's just speculative. Some of it's yeah. just because you want it to be true. Educated I, guesses. Educated guesses. But I just ask people, what are the mathematical chances of that? I mean, just seriously, to the day, on the same day of the week, to the minute. I mean, it's just, and you got to think of the subject matter. Like, he's talking about the events that would lead to the other events. I mean, that is, in and of itself, strange, right? It's just, the whole thing is, and I'm going to read you well, something I'll, here in a second. This. If, if I may, mm-hmm. I'll add on to the strangeness of that. And it, it. It leads right to like we were talking about the crypt keeper earlier. Joe Biden was having a breakfast with the head of the Pakistani ISI, uh, General Ahmoud Ahmed, I believe. I, I'm probably butchering that name, but this is the same guy that was responsible for wiring Muhammad Atta, the lead hijacker, $100,000 a few days before 9-11. And he's having breakfast with Joe Biden. What does that tell you? And Joe Biden also gleefully says, makes the claim that he wrote the original Patriot Act, which he did right before Oklahoma City. Before. Keyword. Before Oklahoma City. It just wasn't, it didn't have that razzle dazzle that they need oklahoma yeah. city just didn't quite have the oomph to get into where you they could monitor every cash withdrawal you had it took it took another level yeah and not only that but uh the last thing i'll leave you with is poppy bush george hw bush have like i we were talking about earlier where is he on the morning of 9-11, he's with the Carlisle group having breakfast with one of Osama bin Laden's brothers, a business meeting in Washington, D.C. So nothing is by coincidence, folks. Nothing. I don't believe in those. I don't believe. I mean, the the global stage, you know, it's like FDR said, if it, if it happens in politics, you can bet it was planned. And that guy should know because he helped he helped usher in Pearl Harbor. So that's right. OK, I'll I'll uh, I'll bring this last little bit up and then we'll I'm going to throw it to you in final thoughts. And then we'll uh, thank the audience for their for their time tuning into this kind of uh, experimental type episode. But this is out of uh, David Icke's book, uh, The Trigger. and. um I have a lot of respect for David Icke and his work. And this book in particular is very well researched. If you want to know about nine 11, you should get David Icke's book. This is, it's a gosh, it's how many pages are in this thing? Uh, 900. It's, it's a, it's a dense book, but a lot of information. And this is on the, on the road to nine 11, right? So he says, uh, and he's talking about connections uh, to, uh, the the cult, you know, he what he calls the the elite, the cult, the people that are behind 
the events of September 11th. He says, this is indeed the yellow brick road in many ways, in various ways, to what really happened on 9-11. And it takes us into evidence that reveals without question the foundation involvement in the attacks of the ultra-Zionist and death cult cabal that controls the state of Israel and operates worldwide. We pick up the trail in 1979 when future Israeli Prime Minister, U.S.-educated Benjamin Netanyahu, organized the Jerusalem Conference on International Terrorism, the JCIT, where he called for a war on terror to destroy what he called international terrorism. This was exactly 22 years before his wish was granted as a result of 9-11. No wonder his first public reaction to the attacks that they were very good for Israel. And And then he has to correct himself. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. They're very good for the relations. It's, It's horrible. Right, right, right. Okay. So it's... I think so much of history is a misdirection and I'll leave people uh, with their own, you know, you draw your own conclusions with the end of that statement and what that means. Um, But the stuff that they were putting together all these decades ago culminated in those type of events. And I think that there's more to this story. I don't know everything, right. But I do believe that 1979, and the events afterward shaped our modern world, what we believe is what we perceive as our reality and the events that have created this current state, um, I believe uh, emanated. And there's a, it was one of those big watershed moments. And um, I'll give you the final, final thoughts, sir. Well, you're right. I mean, September 11, 2001, leads us all the way up to 2020 and, and 2022 and all that. You know, if it wasn't for the Patriot Act, you know, would they have been able to get away with as much as they've gotten away with with, with the lockdowns and now vaccine mandates? You know, I mean, all we I'll just tell you guys this that are listening out there. Dark winter that Joe Biden kept talking over and over again in the press about, oh, we're going to have a dark winter. Dark winter was an exercise that was in June and July, June to August of 2001. And it was right before the anthrax attacks conveniently came out of the aftermath of 9-11, about a week and a half, two weeks afterwards. And Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy, they were some of the only people that were demanding an investigation into 9-11 and who at the Capitol receives anthrax-laden letters, Patrick Leahy and Thomas Daschle. And then we heard nothing from them afterwards about demanding a, an actual investigation. And it took family members of the deceased to demand the Bush administration to have an investigation into the worst you know, terrorist attack ever on U.S. soil. You got to think about why is that, you know, I mean, and like you said, 1979 plays a huge part in culminating with that event. And that event plays a huge part in where we are currently. See, history repeats itself. See, so if you don't know the real history, then we're destined to repeat, you know, the, uh, the history that the victors write over and over and over again. 
And most people nowadays, like you, I think you referred to earlier, Tony, most people don't remember anything. <laughs> so what I'm saying might be, uh, might not even matter, which I don't want to be pes- pessimistic about it, but for the record. Yeah. It's for the record. Of course it matters. That's why we do this show. It's for the yeah. record. Uh, you know, the, uh, the great Pat Buchanan, he said, the only lessons we learn from history is that we do not learn from history. That's the that's, lesson, right? That's right. And also, just remember that Mr. Clinton did not have relations with that woman. <laughs> that was, because that was a big distraction when we were supposed to be hunting for Osama bin Laden during that oh, time. Right. Yeah. The definition of is, is, my friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, if you like the show, uh, share it with friends and family. We appreciate everybody who subscribes. Uh, the Arterburn Radio Transmission, Arterburn.news. Uh, that is uh, Arterburn Radio Transmission, 2 p.m. Central Time, Mondays and Fridays. You can usually catch Chris is on the show lately on Mondays. He's dropping in uh, with his great research and commentary. Uh, so find us there, rockfin.com on the America unplugged channel. I do the show every Saturday with, uh, the great Billy Ray Valentine, the legendary Don Jeffries over on rockfin on the America unplugged channel. We're uh, sponsored by wise wolf gold and silver exchange. Uh, I'm not going to monetize this podcast. So if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, you can find information in this, in the show notes, if you want to support us. And of course you can just always, Help us out with the Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. You need to buy precious metals. We are your shop and storable foods. If you like this information as well, if you if you just uh, took in everything that Chris and I talked about, you might want to you might want to prepare for times that uh, you know may call for you to to dig into some food supply and uh, some water filtration because you never know. You know we have. Uh, lots of psychopaths at the upper echelon. That's where we've arrived, and that's part of the cyclical uh, part of history. Um, that's just what happens, folks. So, uh, preparewithart.com. Preparewithart.com. My Patriot Supply. Great folks over there. Made us a landing page, and uh, it supports the show. We appreciate you, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back very soon. Black helicopters over America with Chris Graves and dig into some 1990s history. I kind of, I know a little thing or two about the nineties. Uh, I lived <laughs> through it, but I also lived a little bit in this. I lived a little bit in this world, a tiny bit. I got my toe in the water. Uh, I was a kid who listened to talk radio. Can you believe that Chris? No, I can't. I was playing Nintendo. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. a teenager driving around with my hardship license, listening to uh Bo Grites out of a, you know, a, a weak FM or AM station out of Terrell, Texas. So I was listening uh, to Howard Stern. So uh, that's the shame, I guess. <laughs> I've just been too serious my entire life, but we appreciate you folks. And remember in the information war, be a paratruther. See you next time. Life is a continuous confrontation with forks in the road. One is good. One is bad. And you could always wander completely off the road altogether and become lost. Totally and completely lost. If you take the wrong fork at one of these junctions, there is always the opportunity at the next fork to get back on track. But it is a constant battle within ourselves. You see, 
I have studied this concept for many, many years, and I have to tell you that if there is a real devil, like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. I'm not telling you that there's no such thing as Satan or Lucifer. I'm telling you this. If there really is a devil, that devil exists in the hearts and minds of men and nowhere else. Nowhere else. For if you take man out of the equation, evil ceases to exist. And there is left only the laws of the universe and the balance of nature. Put man in the equation and before long evil will rear its ugly head and present itself to the world. The evil is within man and that is why it was called the fall. The devil never made anyone do it. If you do it, you did it yourself because you fell into temptation. For until man once again confronts the real nature of his own condition and of the world around him and accepts full responsibility for his actions without blaming anyone else or any devil, until then we will always be a puppet on the end of someone else's string. And ladies and gentlemen, when that someone pulls that string, we will dance.